Hello and welcome to the Bible Podcast, a podcast for pastors, church planters, ministers, anyone who is doing the work of ministry and working in the marketplace at the same time. This is your time of encouragement and I am your host, Ade Subbanjo. Welcome everybody. Uh, Today I have uh, someone so precious to me on the line we, we we go way back. Uh, we went to secondary school together uh, in Nigeria. He is uh, a man after the heart of God, loves God. His name is uh, Dr. Joseph Omofuma. He's the founding pastor with his wife, uh, Evelyn, uh, of Grace, Grace Community Church in Manchester, UK. He is, he is a man of uh, multi talents. He's, he's a certified coach, he's a trainer, he's a motivational speaker, he's a teacher with the John Maxwell team. He has, he's a father, a, a husband of one wife and father of three children, and he's, a, he's a, a medical practitioner. Lots of things. And so today, expect to be to be blown away and be blessed. He loves to, really loves to teach. He's, he has a very strong teaching and pastoring gift, and I, I really love uh, chatting with him. So welcome, Dr. Joe. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Brahadi. Thanks for having me. It's, yes. uh, it's a pleasure. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, we're going to just go ahead and uh, just go to your testimony. And as we, as we talk, we're going to open up some of the other things that you, you, uh, you have done and God has done with you. So would you start off by just sharing with us how you came to Christ and, and how you got into the ministry, just briefly? Okay, so I um, I became a Christian at about the age of about 15, 15 and a half. Um, I must have been, we were in secondary school at the time, and there was a move of God on the campus in the school then, and I found myself thirsting and yearning after the things of God, and I had, luckily I had people around me who were God-fearing, and they encouraged me, and I, you know, went in along those lines. And since then, I've never really looked back. That, that must, I was 15 thereabouts, so it's almost 30 years now mm-hmm. uh, since that happened. It's the best thing that's ever, ever happened to me. Um, it's it's the, the one, the thing that's changed my life totally, to, totally changed my life all, all the way around. Someone said once that you can't, come into contact with raw electricity and then not know it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with getting into with Jesus. If you can't have an encounter with Jesus and not know about it. Uh, very shortly after I became saved, I served in various capacities uh, within the school. Uh, I was an executive in the Christian Union. I went on to, I was in the choir. Um, I went on to... You know, a few short, a couple of years later, it began to dawn on me that God wanted to use me uh, for His kingdom, and so I began to pray that you know, Lord should uh, show me what He needed me to do. So I, I got into university, I got into medicine, and when I started off the course as well, or the yearning. As a matter of fact, I almost didn't finish medical school because by the, by the end of the second year, I was convinced that God had called me to preach, mm. but then. Along the line, I spoke to several mentors. Thank God for mentors. Mentors are extremely important, and they guided me. And so I was able to finish my medical school. But while I was in school, I was a student pastor of the fellowship. 
And by the grace of God, we saw the fellowship grow from, you know, from about 20, 25 to 150 uh, and even to uh, larger numbers when we left. Uh, so I knew at an early age that God had called me so much so that after after med school, I went to Bible school for about a year and a half in the city of Abuja. Uh, again, I served at a local church. Uh, I was ordained in that ministry uh, because they could see the call of God on my life. So it wasn't now it was no longer just me grappling with the idea. People now began to recognize that, yes, there is a calling on your life. As a matter of fact, on a more, on a more humorous uh, note, I had a um, roommate who wasn't a Christian back in uni. And when I finished university and I was working, he sent me a message. He said, why are you wasting your time? We know you're called to ministry. Why aren't you doing ministry? <laughs> and I said to my, I, I said to my wow. friend, my other friends then, that when God begins to use donkeys uh, to speak to you, uh, then, you know, maybe you need to take note. But anyway, that's another story entirely. So somehow along the line, I found myself doing what I'm doing now and never really looked back. Wow. Fantastic. You know, it, I've always seen you also someone that had the love of God and right from secondary school I saw that passion and I wasn't surprised at all when I connected back with you and saw that you have been doing ministry for a while. So yeah, so now can you just guide us through some of the the things you've you uh you've done in ministry uh, how you eventually became uh the founding pastor of Grace Community church you know maybe we should just uh, of course i know there's a lot so let's just contain that to, to the uk <laughs> yeah, yeah well, well i was gonna say where do you want me to start <laughs> well the, the the journey started in nigeria when i served in the local church there and got ordained and uh, still have links and maintain links with them within the uk when i came it was a very interesting story but uh, i mean obviously i'll limit it came into the uk under very interesting circumstances uh, I was determined to obey the plan and the will of God. God showed me a place, and one day I was watching, it sounds very dramatic, but it's true. I was watching the news at a patient's house in Abuja, mm. and the Lord said, that's the land I'm sending you to. And I had to ask him, that, where is that place? And they said, it's the United Kingdom. Now, God has showed me a vision of a land covered in snow, so I thought it was Iceland. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then at some point, I thought it was it was. Uh, at some point, I thought it was uh, uh, Canada, um, but the Lord specifically said I needed to come to the UK. I didn't want to come to the UK. Wow. Uh, a lot of my friends who knew me would know that I had very little ambitions of ever coming to the United Kingdom. So for me to have taken the step to go to United, to come to United Kingdom was a huge, huge... I mean, I, I had a great job with the National Assembly. I worked uh, as a doctor there. They had retained me. Um, so, and even when I went to the visa for the interview, everything went so smoothly. I was scared. I was hoping they would reject me. You know, mm -hmm. I was hoping they would say, look, we can't, but they were like, everything just went really, anyway, all of that happened. And then I came to the UK and I served again in a local church. Uh, I served with, uh, New Covenant Church and I was church secretary. And then they again recognized the call of God in my life and they wanted me to go plant a church. So I actually planted a church for them and pastored that church for about a year. Mm. And after a year, I felt that the Lord had led me to do what I could do for them. And I handed the church back to them. I mean, they were surprised because most people were jostling for positions. Mm. And here I was leaving a position. And, you know, 
it reminds me of something one of my mentors said that God will always give you a picture of where your future is. And along the line, if the, pu- the picture of where you are doesn't add up, you need to change something. And so that's what I, I had to do. I had to, I had to pattern my life in such a way that it fits into this picture that God had been showing me all along. So again, I served with another man of God who was just starting at the time. And I told him, you know, right from the beginning that, look, this is what the Lord has showed me. And he said, hey, whenever you're ready. And so that's the, the, the genesis of Grace Community was a vision that was born out of the heart of God, where we wanted to create a place where anybody and everybody can come and just feel free to settle, where hurting people can come and find succor, where people who are lost can come and find the word, where everyone from every nation, we, we call it a, a universal chapel, where anybody from any nation can come in and be at peace. And that's, you've been to our ministry. Yes. That's the kind that's the kind of culture that we are trying to, you know, to 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 create, um, where we, anybody can come in and just be a part of it. And so that's the journey so far. In October, it's going to be three years officially of operating as Grace Community Outreach Center. And indeed, Grace Community part of it is a church. Part of it is uh, outreach to the community, where we do leadership talks and things like that. And also, we have a dedicated outreach to students. Wow. Amen. That's great. And I'm I'm really looking, hoping that I can visit uh, around that time in October. When it will be it will great. Be be great. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yes, um, I'll see how that works. Okay, now, let's talk about the Bible Bible story. You, you, you hinted on, on something that's very important, which is that you almost didn't complete your medical school because you could feel that calling so strong, but God led you to finish it. And even now, you're still working as a medical doctor, you're still working as a motivational speaker, and you're yeah. still pastoring. So just tell us some of the things that went through your mind at the time and how you decided to stay as a Bible, at least for now. Okay, so like I said, the, the the passion was there. the The call I felt it so strong. I could, I mean, I could literally taste it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so clear to me that this is what I needed to do. And so, I found myself gravitating towards people and things who were doing what I wanted to do. And so, part of the journey was in medical school. I I had looked for very luckily for me, I had some Christian teachers who I I opened up to them and they told me, look, yes, you're called to do ministry, uh, but how would it look if you started medical school and didn't finish? Why don't you finish your medical school and still, as a matter of fact, they encouraged me that God could use my medicine to be to reach out to people. At the time, I didn't really understand it and mm. I didn't I didn't quite grasp the full length of it. The same thing repeated itself when I got into the UK working as a doctor, and then I was going to do my my specialization to become a member of, of one of the royal colleges, which I am now. And I almost didn't want to do it. Um, again, I spoke to mentors and spoke to people who had gone ahead of me. And what was going through my mind at the time was, you know, if God has called me, why do I need to do all this? What I didn't know was that God uses every single part of us to glorify his name. Yes, there are people who have come to the ministry knowing that I I work, so I'm not looking for their money. There are people who have come to the ministry intrigued by the fact that you could be making a lot more money working as a doctor, yet you choose to be a pastor. And for a lot of them, 
that has motivated them in their own personal lives to be closer to God. Because we all now know that, yes, this guy is not here because he has nothing else to do. Mm. This guy is not here because he was rejected. And, you know, he, you know he, we're here because we actually love God. And so we can now focus our attention on just serving the Lord and pursuing him wholeheartedly. There's fewer distractions from a congregational point of view. From my own point of view, I mean, it, it, it's been a lot, there has been a lot of struggle. Uh, but I, 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 but I began to study people in the Bible and began to study mentors ahead of me. I mean, Paul, who wrote virtually half of the New Testament, worked making tents. Mm. Um, there's loads and loads of other examples of people, you know, in and around us. Because to tell you the truth, our generation, and I know we're not old, are they? <laughs> but our generation, the only example we ever really had was the minister who left everything, went into ministry, and God blessed the ministry and all of that. Uh, and But along the line, I began to see a different model happening. And for my personal example was, God never really allowed me to leave the work that I was doing. And so, uh, like I was saying to you before we, we started speaking, I'm so grateful that I obeyed that leading because it's yes. all about what is God saying to you. Mm. And you see, many of us, will only operate based on the amount of knowledge that we have. Let me say this, that please take time to seek the face of God and get a word from God, but also speak to your mentors. Mm. Speak to people who are above you. The Bible says in a multitude of counsel, there is safety. And so it's important that when you're in those places of, uh, of uh, in crossroads, there are great voices who have no vested interest being able to advise you and to tell you what to do. So my challenge is at, at, at that time where, what should I do? Should I do this? Well, hey, now, for me, I'm doing the best. I'm doing all the things I love doing. I love work. I work as a doctor. I love seeing my patients. Uh, it's great. It's very fulfilling. I also love preaching the word and being a pastor. So it's the best of both worlds. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's really, really fantastic. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that fact that, you know, we need mentors in our lives. We need mm-hmm. to hear from God. But when we bring that word and we combine it with the children of God who love us and who have gone before us, we can make way better decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the late Archbishop Idahosa said, uh, a headless head is heading for disaster. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the man got away with words. (laughs) Uh, There's there's no one who knows every single thing and has all the revelation. Mm. And and so you need people around you, even trusted friends. I mean, like you, Adi. Uh, there are times when I rub things off you yeah. where, um, uh, well, you know, how, what do you think about this? You know, what, what's your opinion? And you've done the same thing with me. That's it's cool. so important. It's so important. The, you know, it's so important that you surround yourself with godly counsel. And, and it really helps to form a more rounded picture. I'll tell you this. I was this close to quitting medicine at one point. I was this close. And... So I, I spoke to my wife and, you know, she didn't, see, she, she didn't see the point of it because she said, look, so what would you be doing? And it, it then reminded me of a, of a period in time where I, I was uh, church planting for another ministry and I was working for them full time, if you like, mm-hmm. in, in the sense of the way. And, um, you know, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a big ministry. I was bored out of my brains. I'm sorry, but it, it, I was just... Yes, I was preaching to people and all that, but it just didn't work for me. So you need to find your niche in the kingdom and to obey what the Spirit of God is telling you to do. Gone are the days where 
you are a trained professional, you, uh, uh, you've got some, some kind of you know, work experience or degree, and then you just abandon it because God has called you. No, find out what the will of the Lord is, is what Ephesians tells us. Find out what the will of the Lord is concerning that. I sincerely believe that God will use every single gift, talent, training that we have for his glory. I mean, the, the research that was done in the U.S., uh, that, you know, for every two people who go to a pastor for a particular problem, at least five people have come to their doctor. And in my practice today, I see it. I, I Sometimes I'm wondering, am I in church? Because people are coming and telling me things that I hear that they're bringing to me in church in my consulting room, and I'm able to give them godly counsel. It's, it's, a, it's a way of reaching out, especially for those of us who are uh, in Europe or in Western world, where not a lot of people are very keen to come to church, it's an amazing avenue to shine the light. And I believe that when the light of God shines through us, more and more people will come to Him. That's fine. You know, I and you're already answering my my next question, which was supposed to be, uh, what are some of what what does it feel like? What are the benefits of working and pastoring at the same time? Uh, so maybe I'll allow you to maybe flesh that out more. And also, I want to add another complication to that, and also raising a family. What are challenges? What wow. are benefits? <laughs> what are lessons learned? Yeah. Well, you you had to go there. Um, <laughs> First of all, let, let me say this, that having a family is one of the greatest blessings that God uh, will ever give us. It's been an amazing adventure. I have three children, like you said, and all of them under the age of 10. Mm. It is hard mm. work. It, it can be hard work. In terms of um, combining ministry and combining work, it, it, it's challenging. You know, to be honest, it can be quite challenging. But you know what? It, it's you need to find a balance that works best for you. Uh, I like I like the way Bishop T.D. Jakes puts it. That because apart from doing my pastoring work, I do motivational talking as well. Um, and, and then I'm a father, and then I'm pastoring the church. He said many a time, T.D. Jakes, Jakes put it this way, that many times we, we get a title and then we put a full stop to it. Mm. Instead, he gets a title and he, put, he puts a comma to it. Wow. So, so he's a bishop, he's a father, he's a film producer, he's a teacher, he's a motivational speaker, and they all have commas to it. I've, I've always been of the opinion that we have so much potential on our inside that sometimes we're not tapping into our greatest gifts. As a matter of fact, uh, many people have seen me going to answer your question, and they look at me like, how do you do it? And I laugh because, to me, it looks so easy. Mm. And I know it, it's looking easy because I am leaning very strongly on the grace of God. I will not pretend to try and do this in my own strength. You will collapse. But along the line, I trust, I, I put a lot of my trust in the grace of God. I, so what I've had to do practically, for example, is I don't work all the days of the week uh, as a doctor. Uh, I only work four days a week, which in my in my context, is actually full-time because I work up to 48 hours in a week. Wow. One of the, some, of the, some of the challenges has been that for me to, because I don't want to feed my people rubbish, is I've had to study more and be more creative with my study time, especially when you talk about family and having young children. So I'm up at about 5.36 before the children are up in order to begin my day and begin to plan some things. 
I plan my sermons two, three weeks ahead and I study into them so I'm not rushing and I'm not. So and then every every moment that I have with my children, we make it count. You know, I, I jokingly tell people that even my children now know that daddy has more than one job. So they know that we've all agreed on that. Daddy has more than one job. Um, so, for example, <laughs> and so, but and but what I don't want, uh, what I made up my mind, my wife and I we made up my minds not to do, is to do one and allow the other one to suffer. So we create family time. Um, I take my son out for father and son dates. I take my daughter out for father and daughter dates. Um, we have we we've just come back from a family holiday. Yeah. Nothing fancy, but I took a week a week and some days off where it's just me and my children and it's just us, you know, the devices are off except one in case there's an emergency. <laughs> um, but we, we've just had a great family time bonding and speaking to each other. And so I, we, we, I try to create those times where the children are priority in terms of practically as a family, you know, I was speaking at a marriage conference. This might help some, some people from, from the African descent. We try and put a balance in our home. I mean, before I before I got married, I never used to wash dishes. In, in my culture, you don't do dishes, you don't clean, you don't. It's. I mean, where I lived in Abuja, I had a cleaner, I had a I had a driver, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you come and live in the UK and you have children. Um, I'm, yeah, you you do all of it. And so I'm not going to leave my 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 beautiful wife to do all that. A young man came to us the other day. He's about to get married. He. I just noticed that he was watching me. What I didn't know was why he was watching me because we finished eating the meal. My wife had served us and I just went into the sink and I started cleaning up. And he came to me and said, wow, wow, that no wonder that everything seems to be in balance in this house. You, you have to be, you have to be creative. You have to think about how am I going to, I wake up in the morning, how can I be of service to my family first? You know, the, among my leaders, and I, I hope I'm not taking too much time. And that's all right, please go ahead. Whenever. Among, among the leaders, we have this little motto, God first, family next. Mm. Okay? We, we priori- I encourage them to prioritize family. The same way that I prioritize family, same thing as they have to prioritize family. Family comes before the ministry. Yes. And so that is the message. that, And it's not like the ministry is not important, but you can't do ministry to the, to the detriment of of your family. Your family indeed is your first ministry. If your family is not well taken care of, then what kind of ministry are you doing? Paul said, he put it this way, that if, if you don't look after your family, then you might as well be an unbeliever. Yes. So it, it's it's been, it's been able to, you, you need to plan, at, for example, you need to be very good at planning. You need to do goal setting. You need to make sure that you're, you're good. And uh, it's, yes, it's a busy life. It can be, but with the grace of God, it works and it works very well <laughs> when you put your mind to it. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. And you've, you've highlighted some of the challenges and some of the benefits. And, and you, you, you know, I remember you saying before we started this, uh, how God has really opened many doors of ministry to you um, just as a doctor. And Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want you to just put, say a word on that again. Yeah, because, okay, so in, in this part of, in this part of, in Europe where, a lot of people are not very um, open to the idea of a pastor coming to speak to them or speak in their organization. And so there are walls. But what I found is my job 
as a general practitioner has opened a lot more doors than my job as a doctor. And so many people would allow me into secular, semi-secular government organizations purely on the basis of my job as a doctor. doctor. Not as a pastor. And, and not as a pastor. But they still want to hear what I've got to say. So sometimes I quote the scripture and I say a wise book says, mm-hmm. you know, and as a matter of fact, I even have some patients who are um, not necessarily Christians. They come to me because of the counsel that I give them, not, 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 not knowing. Some of them I, they know, but not, not really realizing that the counsel is actually the word of God. Mm-hmm. It's just plainly. So there's been a lot I've had. As a matter of fact, as we speak, we're working with one or two government officials who have taken an interest in our ministry, but not just from the point of view of Christianity point of view, but from the point of view of the fact that I am a GP. They want me to engage in their in their services so that I can come and speak to their people. And so doors are opening purely based on my vocation. And I thought to myself, if I didn't, if I wasn't in this vocation, that would have been uh, I would have closed that door. Yes. where I'm able to minister to those kinds of people. And so that's what I was saying before, that God will use every single thing about us to for his glory. Because it's the same you, whether they call you doctor or pastor, it's the same you that is speaking to them, isn't it? That's right. Yeah? That's right. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the stuff that you have on your inside is going to come out. Mm. It's going to come out. I, I, I was privileged, along those lines, I was privileged to... I was invited to come and speak uh, to a group of teenagers over a period of days. Uh, it's a program called the National Citizen Service. Now, it's something they organize over the summer for teenagers between the ages of 16 and 18. Okay. And they called me in as a mentor. And it was it went over weeks, but my involvement was just over about four or five days. And I was speaking to a pastor friend of mine, and he was saying, I'm jealous. That nobody's ever called. I've been in this town longer than you. I've been doing ministry longer than you. Nobody's ever called me to come and speak to a national group of teenagers. But they didn't call me because I was a pastor. They called me because I was a doctor. That's right. But then the stuff that I spoke to them about were all based on the Bible. And a few of them who took interest in what I do, I explained to them that, well, I'm also a pastor. This is what I do. This is my ministry. And, you know, a few, a few more conversations came out from there. Yes. So let, let's not belittle what God has put on our inside. There's so much potential within us, especially if you've got a vocation. There are lo- loads of people who are, who are looking. I'm still training up. Let's be clear. I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still going for leadership courses and I'm still training up. I'm still gaining more and more experiences. Some of my mentors are doing a master's in theology and things like that. So I'm still learning. Um, so it's not a static thing. I'm, I'm, I'm learning more so that I can have a greater uh, access to, to, to a bigger audience. That's right. That's right. And it's, it's all about being a blessing at the end of the day, isn't it? It yeah. is. It is. It's about bringing that person, that Jesus in you to, to those people. Uh, whatever the vessel that uh, that opens the door, whatever, what matters is that when you connect with those people, with the people you're connecting with, Christ in you begins to minister to them. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I mean, I've had people. I've gone to speak at conferences where they're just men, and in the end, they ask me, "Oh, you know, we like the way you speak and all of that." And you know, that quote, where is that from? And I said, "Well, it's the Bible." Oh, yeah. we didn't know the Bible had those kind of things. Maybe we'd like to hear more about this Bible of yours. Wow. And, 
a conversation starts from there. That's right. That's right. And you know, you know, one of the things I found Ade that there are certain people that, by the grace of God, that would probably never go anywhere near a church. I mean, never yes. in their wildest dreams go near a church. But when they come into contact with people like us yes. who are bivocational, they suddenly get interested. And then they begin to inquire. For example, I had I had a 35-minute conversation with uh, a, a manager, of, well, your senior colleague of mine, who is a self-proclaimed atheist, wow. right? <laughs> and when he got to find out that I was a, a Christian, not just a Christian, but a minister, he, he grabbed me and we spent about 35 minutes. He's asking me all kinds of questions. And I was so thrilled that this man has never set foot in a church he is never, he will not go for any crusade. He will not go for a program. He will not go for a concert. But here we are, the gospel has come and met him at work. Yes. And he, <laughs> a pastor is speaking to him. And a pastor is speaking to him. So how, how good is that? Wow. You know, I, again, I, look, I was I was uh, assigned, part of my job is to train up younger doctors. Um, and so I enjoy teaching, as you know. Yes. And um, so teaching medical stuff as well, great. There was this group of of, of, of um young doctors that came along, two of them ladies, one of them um, a man, two of them British, one of them, I think, Asian origin. The British girl, one of them, had never heard what it means to be born again. She's a 25-year-old girl. You know, we, we, let me say, we, we are sending people to India and to Uganda. This is in the UK. This is like in Manchester, with metropolitan town. Yes. She's 25 years old. She'd gone to church twice in her whole life. And I was... Somehow the conversation came around things around the gospel, and I just started asking and said, "Born again? What is that?" Wow. And so again, the opportunity came for me to present the gospel, and she went and told her friends, and then I started telling them about the gospel. <laughs> it, it went on so much that my boss came to me and said, "Look, you are into this church thing. Maybe we should take you off Sundays, Sunday mornings." And that's how I stopped working Sunday mornings. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I had gone to him initially and said, look, my Bible study days are Thursday evenings. I have church on Sunday mornings. Oh, let me think about it. When, she saw, when he saw how serious I was about it, they changed my work pattern in such a way that I don't have to work on Sunday morning. He said, if it's important to you, you're one of my best staff. He said, this is another thing. You know, you can't be a Christian and be slacking, but that's another mm. conversation. Said, and that's <laughs> something I w- it's important. Go ahead. Talk about that, because. Um, you know, we we some people that are Bible may think that you know be, because the ministry is number one to you, then you mm. have to be you know sloppy in the other one. No, you you, you no, have no, to no, be no. excellent. Say something about that. So I I was I was very pleasantly surprised when again this boss was an atheist or well he didn't he wasn't an atheist he just didn't believe in anything. Um, I'm a he just didn't believe in anything and. Um, you know, he came. He came to me, and um, you know, he said to me that you are one of the best staff that I have. Wow! So I am going to do everything to make sure that you are happy. Wow! And so he changed my shift pattern in such a way that it suited me. A lot of people grumbled, and he said, "Look at the numbers. He comes in early. He stays late. He sees patients extra. He doesn't complain. What have you got to say about your own stats?" And so he was the one fighting on my... I didn't even know anything about this until he came and told me that the other people grumbled, but I shut them up because you are one of my best staff. What I always say to people is, as a child of God, you should be uh, 
far and above your colleagues in being diligent in doing what you do. As a matter of fact, I, I keep on going for more trainings and more things because I want to be a better physician than I am now, not just so that I can do my job well, but so that I can glorify my Heavenly Father who has put me in the position that I'm in now. I am now privileged to be in a place where I, I employ people, where, we, where I'm, I'm part of a, 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 a larger practice, where we have employees. But before that, I was an employee myself, and the testimony that kept coming out was, we want you to stay, we want to employ you. I'll tell you this, I had a visa problem, and um, it was due for renewal, and I went to my boss and said, look, I might need you to write a letter because I'm doing my renewal. He said, look, if they don't renew your, your visa... I will write a letter to the Home Office because we want to keep you by all means. Wow. So to me, one of the greatest testimonies is not just coming and doing shakalakalaka, blah, 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 <laughs> but let unbelievers know that you are excellent in your job as well. Yes. And, and I think it's really, really important because believers, we tend to, you know, how Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men so that they will see our good works. And then you, a lot of people, a lot of people see what I do, and then it raises questions. Why is he so nice? Why is he so patient? Mm. And then I have the opportunity to say, well, uh, it's the Jesus in me. And then yes. the conversation starts. Yeah. I've even had one or two patients come and say, we heard you're a, you're a pastor. Can you pray for us? It's unprecedented. I was embarrassed, honestly, Ade. I thought, where is this coming from? <laughs> Here I am doing my job quietly as a doctor, and... Oh, we heard you're a pastor. Well, my sister is very ill. She's in your department. Would you mind coming to say a prayer? You know, and I'm like, that's music to my ears. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know, let's go for it. So I believe that believers should be excellent. If you're going to do your accounting job, do it well. If you're going to mm. be a cleaner, make sure you clean the best that you can ever clean. But let's not bring the word of God into disrepute because of our slackness. Mm. Wow, that's that's just powerful. And 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 I'll just add that even if you can't do as as much, just do little and do it very well. Just yeah. do it very well. Yeah. Excellent. It's, so now let what me is what doing is really what doing well. Yes, what is what doing is what doing well. Let me move you on to another another topic. I know you're an avid you're an avid learner. You you read books, you consume other videos, everything that is going to uplift you. So I'm going to ask you to please recommend a book. Uh, to somebody or a program, whatever you want to recommend that has helped you and that you think will help any Bible minister or pastor. Okay, um, a program, a book. Hmm, where do I start from? One book that has stood out for years is a book called An Enemy Called Average. Mm, I know that book. An Enemy Called Average by a chap called John L. Mason. Fantastic book. I would strongly recommend that book because one of the things it says, for example, is know your limits and then ignore them. <laughs> mm. Wow. I know I read that book. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I was saying to people that um, I must have, I must have, now I have two in my library because somebody always comes and borrows one and never returns it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that book. It's it's so important that we are not average in the way we think, in the way we execute, in the way we do ministry. Because even in ministry, I've seen people just settle for average. Yes. Um, I went to a conference once and the minister was speaking and said, in the African 
languages, there is no word like excellent. So it is, it is, it's difficult for us to get the concept of excellence. I'm so tired of church people uh, giving their, their, their leftovers to God. And so this book really challenged me on all fronts. It challenges me from a ministry point of view. It challenges me from a medical point of view. Average is not good enough. This will do, will not do. Mm. And so that's one book that I would, um, I would certainly, certainly recommend. I mean, there's, 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 loads of, um, there's loads of great materials out there. All the John Maxwell books, the 12 uh, Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, I would definitely recommend that book in terms of so anybody who is striving to be a leader. Mm. Um, um, in terms of programs, good grief, there's, there's loads. I mean, I went into the John Maxwell program simply to, well, let me explain that, because what it is now is there's a certification program, there's a proper course, and so where you become a certified coach uh, or mentor and, and a public speaker, depending on where your leaning is. I went into that program purely to improve my leadership. I wanted to be a better leader. Mm. Um, that program also allows you to use to use it on, for a commercial basis. I'm not doing that at the moment purely because that's not what I'm sort of, that's not my emphasis at the moment. Uh, but that book, the, that program helps you to be a better leader as a person. There's all other programs as well. The, um, the late Miles Monroe runs a leadership program as well okay. where you can enroll online. And see, there's loads of things that we can do to improve ourselves. One of the things I use online resources, there's the Logos Bible study software yeah. that tells you about um, uh, concordances and things like that. I don't know about my, your listeners, but I'm really like an internet buff. I mean, I do everything online. Uh, I mean, uh, banking, I don't even know what my bank manager looks like anymore. <laughs> So, so I read. I read. I have audio books. I use audio books. There's, there's audible.com um, where I I go because from, from the little I've told you, my life can be quite busy. So instead of sitting down reading the book, someone is reading the book to me. Yeah. My, the way I I learn, I I have a good photographic memory, and so what I hear, I retain. Uh, not everybody's like that. Some people have to see the pages. You, you just need to do what's best for you. So I use audible.com. Uh, I have loads of books there that I read and I, I use them, especially when I travel for long distances. Very useful tool. Uh, but audible.com is there. The books are not very expensive. So I do a lot of stuff online, uh, uh, your Kindle and stuff like that. I would just encourage you to, one of the things that, okay, I read this somewhere, uh, sometime. Warren Buffett, the millionaire, yes. he encourages his... Um, his mentees to read at least 43 pages every single day. Doesn't care what it is. 43 pages. You must read 43 pages. I don't know how you came about that number, wow. but you must read 43 pages. It when you look at it, it averages a book a week, right? Yeah. I I have been trying to do something similar. So every day I read about seven or eight pages of stuff. Um, Matthew Ashimola put it this way: that leaders are readers. Uh, I think it's something that's popular. So it's important. Many of us read to preach or we, you read things to, no, read to learn, to mm. feed. And then out of the overflow of what you have learned, your preaching will become easier. Yes. So I never study, I hardly, I, I try, I do my best not to study on what I am going to be preaching now. What I'm preaching now, I'm, I'm studying something else. Mm -hmm. um, because God is showing me things, I was speaking to some of my leaders and I was telling them, that I'm putting some messages down now that I don't even know where, or when I'm going to preach them. 
And so the, the whole idea of approaching this is from a point of view of growth and edification rather than just learning for the sake of divulging or passing on to somebody else. There has to be a steady climb or a steady thirst for growth and for increase. Because when you learn, you can't give what you don't have, mm-hmm. you see. And so in, in our position where we're bivocational, I'm studying my medical stuff as well. Um, so I, I have to be very economical with my time. Um, this is what I'm saying that when, when I wasn't even a pastor, I'm usually the last person to hear the gossip uh, because there's no time. Because I got no time for things like that. <laughs> I'm usually the last, honestly. I, I, in fact, sometimes they gossip about me and I, didn't you hear that so-and-so said, really? They said that? When? Oh, three months ago. Really? <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> so so yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm very, because I, I try and put my, my children, my family, the ministry, the stuff that I have in front of me, a priority. I don't have time for time wasters. Um, people who want to be average, who don't want to do anything with their lives, that's okay. But you can't be in my circle. Mm. It's it's tough, but that's the way it is. Um, Jesus put it this way, that if your hand, your right hand, causes you to sin, uh, you know, cut it off. And he wasn't talking about your physical hand. Uh, there, there are certain things that we need to streamline ourselves in such a way that you're making progress. Mm. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Mm. That's true. You know, and, and, you know, one unique thing about Bible pastors, Bible ministers, is that we have very limited time. You're doing two full-time jobs. You're managing yep. your family. It's going to, you got to learn how to learn on the go and do yep. things efficiently in a short time. And so yep. some of these tools that you are talking about, uh, they are very important. People should learn to use them, audible, go do things online. Schedule all your stuff and 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 things like that. And like you have rightly, like you have exhorted us, read, 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 or listen, listen, listen. Learn, learn, learn. Keep developing. Um, so as we wrap this up, um, I just want you, if you have anything else to say, you can go ahead and and just do that. Uh, but and then you will we'll wrap this up in prayer. But before you do that, let me just mention to the people that. All the things that you've mentioned, all the resources, I'm going to have them in the show notes. So you can, ha- I'm going to put links to them, the books, everything, so everybody can get access to this. So go ahead, um, tell us your final words if you have any, and then well, this data yeah. prayer. Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, one thing I'd like to say is, you know what? Um, we, we are children of God, and God loves us. Yes. Um, let's bear in mind that God is on our side, and so God wants the best for us. The Bible says that he delights in the prosperity of his children. Prosperity is not just money. One of the most fulfilling things that I'm doing in my life, or I'm finding out in my life, is that I'm fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so I want to I want to encourage my brothers and sisters out there who might be listening to this. Find your sweet spots. Find your place of fulfillment. If God has called you to do ministry, you will not be satisfied doing anything else until you're involved in that ministry. Uh, the, the, there's two extremes. There's people who will leave their work and say all they want to do is ministry, 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 not realizing they can combine both. Whereas there's some other people who they've allowed their work to take over their their, their anointing and their, and their calling that they have. And so you find a brilliant teacher, he's stuck in an accounting firm and can't do anything. Those are two rough extremes. And I want to encourage you not to find yourself trapped in those two extremes. Find the balance 
in the middle. And I pray that God will help us to see more clearly and to hear more clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Adi. Thanks for having me. It's been great talking to you. It's always nice talking to you anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. So would you wrap up uh, in prayer? Yes, certainly, certainly. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for such a time as this. Lord, thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to to speak to my brother and to speak to all the people who are listening. Lord, I want to pray, Lord, that even the words that we've spoken today, that, Lord, let it reverberate into our spirits. Let it bring light and understanding to all those who are hearing. I ask, oh God, that if there's anyone in the valley of decision, if there's anyone who is in a place of, of, of darkness or doubt or indecision, Father, that light will shine upon that situation in the name of Jesus. Lord, if there's anybody who's seeking you for answers, if there's anybody who's trusting you for direction, Lord, I pray that this week, this this during this program, you will use this, Lord, as a way of enlightening us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to to be to preach your word. I pray you continue to strengthen us and that this ministry uh, that you've put in Adi's hands, that you will prosper it and increase it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a great time with Dr. Joe Omofuma of Grace Community Center and Grace Community Church in Manchester. It's been a blessing. I've been very blessed just by the discussion, and I encourage you to go to adisobanjo.com slash session 16, and you will get everything that we've talked about. God bless you, and have a wonderful week. You've been listening to the Bivo Podcast with Ade Sabanjo. Please head over to adesobanjo.com to join the conversation and access all of the resources shared on the podcast. You can also record your questions by using the red button on the right-hand side of the page. If this is your first episode of the Bivo Podcast, Take the time to listen to the earlier episodes where Ade talks about his amazing recovery from stroke and the lessons he learned. These lessons have revolutionized Ade's life and they will make your life so much more fruitful too. Till the next episode, keep spreading the love of Jesus everywhere. <laughs>